Handbrake Off is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. The only way to score is, of course, to play... uh is a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast for The Athletic. I'm joined, as always, by Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas, writers for The Athletic, Gooners as well. Hello, guys. Hello. Hiya. Nice to see you. In the studio, actually, face to face here with us, Mr. Lee Dixon. Hello, Lee. Massively underwhelmed, I am. <laughs> I was hoping for a bigger studio. He thought there'd be sofas and places to lounge about. That doesn't that doesn't produce great podcasts. Lounging no, apparently about. not. I do like the lights though. It looks like my grandma's living room. It's great. Mm. Right, it's an well, intimate space. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. I guess anyone who's seen both your grandma's living room and the lights will at this point go, "Yes, you're, you're right, Lee. It's exactly the same." By the way, I, I did say to you guys just before we came on that anyone who hasn't listened to Ian Wright on uh, Desert Island Disc should yeah. have a listen to it because you will blub so I would say don't do it in public (laughs) because otherwise you'll be sitting sobbing on the train and people go you're all right see I'm just listening to when right is signed from Palace but (laughs) but it is an amazing listen I think we can all agree um we are going to be talking to Glenn Helder uh, in a short while before we do that of course the Europa League has started again I don't know about you but I am excited (laughs) the last 16 of the Europa League and we thought as it is we're back to European football um, we thought we'd talk about our worst ever European away trip. We've all got some. Amy, by the way, actually was sitting here beforehand thinking, there's so many to choose from. Uh, we'll start with you, Amy. What have you got? Just choose one. No, I've got, I've got loads and loads of really good ones. So it's, it's a bit easier to pick from the, from the less enjoyable ones. I, I can't do one. I've got to do two, but one will be quick. Valencia in the Champions League. I thought this was the year that Arsenal were going to win it. And um, two one up from the first yeah, leg. Yeah, two one up from the first leg. I think Ray Parler scored an absolute screamer. Yeah. Went over to Valencia. Arsenal were great at this point, and we were great on that night. Yeah, she really, played really, really well. Really played well, and then just this John Carew header, and I, I remember the fault. devastation. Oh, <laughs> good having you in, Lee. <laughs> send it, send him a, a link. Um, but I remember afterwards two things, and Patrick Vieira in the kind of mix zone coming out. Everybody thought he was about to leave Arsenal, like almost there, and then he was he was rarely seen a player so kind of obviously completely destroyed by the night and and also Arsene who was a lot younger then and obviously hadn't gone through the kind of difficult half of his career mm. that was still in the good half but he was he was the colour of Lee's jumper he was grey afterwards in the face in his skin he was yeah. absolutely he looked destroyed because I think everybody felt this was the one I think it was a season where it was a quite an easy run to the final yeah can I just ask about that game you played in that game yeah. right and I because I must admit I watched it and I watched the first leg I went to the first leg at yeah. Highbury and when we let in that away goal, yeah, I must admit I thought, oh no, I'm not sure we're going to be able to manage it. And because I, I figured that John Carew would get a chance, I don't know what you thought in the dressing room. No, I mean obviously it's not ideal giving a away goal, but we easily thought we'll just go there and win one nil, be fine. Well, nil nil, we'll do it. We'll yeah. do what we need to do, and we absolutely battered them. The the fans, I remember the fans throwing their cushions on the pitch during the first twenty minutes because we were all over them, and they were going, they weren't happy. They had little little cushions on their <laughs> Spanish seats and the and the posh seats yeah. and they were throwing him down going you know we don't we don't approve of where they're playing it's a very gentle uh, protest it was yeah. very oh, oh no look out there's cushions there's coming there's a cushion coming <laughs> um, corrugated iron off the roof it was it was out of phase by then um, so they totally in control and yeah. then obviously Amy's just perfectly described the she, she missed out the Tony Adams getting beat <laughs> at the, by the header but we all looked at him and said it's probably the only header he's lost Yeah, and it was just put us out so. John Carew was a monster as well no, yeah, enormous it was uh, what's, the, what's the good one then Amy uh, 
Oh, she's changed it now. No, the Naeem. Sorry, that was just... Oh! Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, We've really got a bad topic to start this oh, podcast. I forgot about that. I've wiped it from my mind. <laughs> Naeem. Yeah, yeah, that was... I was sat in quite posh seats at the game, and I was right behind it when he when he when he hit that shot, and I thought, oh, oh and I could see Dave Seaman scrambling back. I thought, well, don't think he's going to make that. Obviously, you had a good view. I had an even better one because I was on the far side of the pitch, thinking, where am I going to put my penalty? I was working it out because I was first up, and I was thinking, I'll put it goalkeeper's left. And Naeem got the ball, so I saw him on the far side of the pitch in a kind of right sort of midfield area, and then as he hit it, I had the full length of the pitch to look over and I saw as soon as he hit it I looked at Dave and I went oh no mm-hmm. I knew it was in because yeah. you could see the trajectory of the ball you could see Dave running and the size of Dave's head was weighing him down and he couldn't <laughs> jump up he won't mind me saying that he's, he's my mate and he and oh, he was so distraught after the I've never seen a player so upset with one incident <clears> than <throat> that he was he was devastated it's a good choice this one wasn't yeah, it yeah, well, yeah, really should, James. We, should, we, should we just have a best as <laughs> no, well no 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 James go on we'll that for I mean I, dr- I almost dread to mention it but <laughs> sort of my worst away trip in Europe is also kind of the best in that it was 2006 and the final because Mm. I just walked the streets of Paris afterwards absolutely devastated Mm. and uh, yeah the emotion of getting so near and yet so far was horrible sorry yeah that was a tough one Paris although it was a fun trip it was a great trip and I had a brilliant day we played football in the streets in Paris we kicked the ball it hit a window of a car Someone rolled down the window. It was Alex Ferguson in there. He wasn't happy at all. <laughs> like, there were some great stories from that day. Yeah. But the aftermath of the game was really, really tough. We went to a uh, a restaurant afterwards. There was quite a few of us. Uh, Alan was there, Alan Davis, yeah. uh, Ainsley Harriet, the TV chef, and my friend, Sean, black guy as well. And this guy came in who was a bit drunk, and he starts pointing at Alan. He goes, I love Jonathan Crete. In fact, he said, my mum loves Jonathan Crete. My mum loves it. Then looks at my friend Sean and goes, you're cooking sh- well, <laughs> and we went. Hey, hang on a minute, you in? What about the black guy? Two seats long? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was beautiful, beautiful. We did enjoy that moment. But yes, a very, very sad day. Lee, I imagine you have a number oh, of away trips you can. Um... One stands out a mile, and I, Amy will correct me on years and all that, like because she knows everything about everything. Shakhtar Donetsk, dead rubber, Champions League. We'd already gone through. So we all thought we won't go. None, none of us will go because the manager will rest us all because we've got a big game at the weekend. He'll send all the kids out. And the team sheet went up and it was like me and Martin Keown. <laughs> and I was like, I went to the gaffer, are you serious? And he went, we need a senior player there just to keep... And we went over there. I cannot describe the level of dirty hotel. The, the hotel, there was a rat ran across the foyer as we checked in. There was nowhere to stay. And they booked into this hotel in Donetsk. There was a rat running across the floor. And I just went, did anybody see that? Seriously? <laughs> oh, that's the hotel rat. That's the, Don't yeah, worry about it. It was literally like multi towers. It ran across, come out the biscuit tin, went back in. <laughs> and it was like, all oh, right, okay, well, and we all took we took our chef who covered the whole inside of the kitchen with, cl- uh, not cling film, with uh, foil, aluminium foil, because uh. it was so dirty. <laughs> and he was cooking... He cooked for two days. We went up to our room. I got up to my room. The lift wasn't working. This little old man took me up to my room. And I went into my room and I got a, a tracksuit, a hairnet to put over my head to sleep in, <laughs> a pillow and a, and a duvet because we weren't using any of their laundry. And we went into my room and I shut the door and it was like, it was literally like a prison cell. And I thought, I can't sleep in here. And I went to turn the light on, and they, I, and I'm not lying, there was a blood-stained handprint. <laughs> it was like I was at, uh, at Disney in the hat, and it was a blood, there was fingers down the down the wall that someone had gone, who was obviously bleeding at the time. I'm going to switch the light on, and I slipped and just gone, smeared their hand across. So it goes down and says, there's blood in my, <laughs> there's blood on my wall. And he went, oh, we can put you in another room, it's fine. And it was horrific. And then when we got to the game we played the game and I, have you been to Donetsk did you go to that game no I didn't go to that one just the experience pros there's a big uh, chemical factory behind yeah. that blows sulphur yellow fumes come out the, the uh, chimney and blow straight across the pitch honestly it's horrific so that was my worst can't must... remember what they, we lost 3-0 I think can't remember. Dead rubber, it doesn't matter. I mean, Martin Keown was good against Shakhtar, wasn't he? Let's be fair. <laughs> Scored a couple of goals, late goals, I remember at home. But um, 
What's yeah, yours in? I, well, I, what I was going to say, first of all, was that uh, as fans, we've probably stayed in worse hotels than that on a fairly <laughs> regular basis. You're used to this five-star luxury. Ah, oh, Mr. Dixon, here's your room. Would you like me to turn down your bed? You know, well, other people have, <clears throat> is the joke. But um, worst, well, um, I mean, I've said this on various Arsenal podcasts, but winter slag away. In about 1982. I was going to say, I don't remember that. I wasn't there then. You weren't there then. It was, it was, where is it? It's in a rather inaccessible part of Belgium. Right. Belgium, isn't it? I thought it was. Oh, there's just, there's debate. Where do you think it is, Amy? Listen, I think I know which country I went to. Okay, I'll take it. I, well, listen, you, what you're, know, it's near Maastricht. You be wrong about anything Arsenal-related. <laughs> hey, now, now you're looking it up. You're looking it up. Okay, well, anyway, it was, we, it was about a 14-hour coach journey. We lost uh, on away goals. Raphael Mead was playing for us. That's right. the, the level of player we had okay. at the time. We won 2-1 first leg, similar sort of uh, thing. We lost 1-0 second leg, went out uh, on away goals and then drove 14 hours back on the coach overnight. Went to work the next day. Amy, where are you saying? It looks like Belgium. It is. <laughs> Thank you very much. Is, is it still in Belgium? It's still in Belgium. <laughs> no, but just on the subject of coach journeys, I went by coach to the Paris Saint-Germain semi-final in 94, which took a lot longer than it should, considering it was just London to Paris. We had to meet in Finsbury Park to get on the coach at about 3am on the day of the game. <laughs> cool. Drove the entire way and got on some ferry that was pretty horrible. Um, but the guy in front of us was from the West Country or something and literally spent the whole journey in this very strong accent singing to himself, Oh, Lord, Ian Roy. <laughs> Ian Roy, my Lord, Ian Roy. And me and my mate were getting sort of more and more delirious <laughs> as the it. coach journey went on. Anyway, it was a great trip. Dicko! Lee! <laughs> How's your paradigm? How are you, my friend? <laughs> oh, man. Long, long time ago, my man. Long time ago. Oh, you're supposed to be giving me a drumming lesson. You never turned up. I'm still waiting. I'm sitting at my drum set waiting for you. Yeah, I missed I miss the bus, man. I missed the bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a special guest this week. Uh, I'd like to uh, say huidag and welcome to Glenn <laughs> Helder. Hello, Glenn. Hello. <laughs> It's nice to have you on the show, Glenn. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Uh, Glenn Helder, uh, for listeners uh, who may not be aware, Glenn played uh, 39 times, I believe, for Arsenal. 27 appearances, 12 as sub. The last signing, uh, in fact, of uh, George Graham. We wanted to talk generally uh, about what you've been doing, but let's talk about the Arsenal first of all. When you heard that Arsenal were interested, um, where were you playing at the time? Uh, I was playing at Vitesse Arnhem in, uh, in Holland. Before that, I played for Sparta like four years. And uh, Vitesse Arnhem was uh, a little bit higher. And there I played for like for one year and a half. And then, yeah, I went to Arsenal. And uh, that was like uh, a, dream, a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's the same for all players, isn't it, really? It's a club like Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, you came from what? From Stoke. Stoke City. Mm. Uh, and, and I guess, Glenn, when you're signing for a club like Arsenal, so you walked in through the marble halls. Were you, were you scared when you went there? <laughs> Lee knows me good enough that, uh, that I, I wasn't scared. No. <laughs> No, you definitely weren't but, uh, scared. <laughs> I was, I, I, no, no, no. But I, I, I was very impressed because, uh, like, if you uh, if you're like a kid, you're you're dreaming about becoming a, a professional football player. So when you succeed in that, then your aim's gonna be higher. So then you want to be a very good football player. So then I go to a, a more bigger club, like in Holland, and uh, even uh, go for the first cap for the national team. And then I go to uh, Arsenal. Uh, that's like uh, uh, one, of, one of the biggest clubs in the world, uh, in my eyes. So it's like uh, you have to pinch yourself. I'm also thinking, okay, they're interested because uh, you have the uh, skills to play there. Do you remember that those first moments when you came to the club? Because we obviously heard rumours that there was a new signing coming in. And when, when a new signing comes in, you know being there and... 
somebody comes in, they go, oh, where does he play? Because you want to know if he plays in your position or wherever he wants to play. And you go, oh, he's a he's a flying winger. And as soon as it, soon as I found out he was a flying winger, I'm like, oh God, we're gonna he's gonna be coming up against me in training. So, and I didn't know anything about you know I didn't know anything about you. And next minute you turn up this kind of athletic looking sinewy and you look quick with your clothes on before you put your kit on. So I was like, and I think one either the first training session or the or the second, or I know it's pretty early of you arriving. I think George put a, a full eleven v eleven on, and you were on the left wing against me. And I was thinking, oh my god, the lads, yes. were, the lads were going, good luck, Dicko. He's a flying machine. And I was like, that's the last thing I need. And I, I don't. I tried to kick you several times, but I don't think I got anywhere near you. And, and I, I, I suppose you're still quite quick now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? I don't know if you play for us. Yeah, of course I remember. And uh, for me, it's like uh, I was playing against uh, Lee Dixon, who was uh, uh, one of the four, if they were speaking about Arsenal, mm. they were speaking about, like, most of the time also, about the last, the, 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 the last four. Yeah. And it's like Lee, Lee Dixon, uh, Tony Adams... Ball and Nigel Winderburn, you know that was that was like, yes. and now I'm standing across Lee Dixon, <laughs> so I'm standing across uh, one of the defenders who has history in the uh, Arsenal club with mm. li- uh, big prizes, and uh, now it's me against him. Yeah. So yeah. that is the first part of the story. Yeah. The second part of the story is, is then, okay, but I'm here. And I'm here for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Just try to explain to people at home who are listening to this about when you came to the club, obviously there's a lot to take in at a club like Arsenal. It's, uh, you know, we've got a lot of traditions. We've got a lot of things that that you kind of have to toe the line with, the traditions of wearing the the kit a certain way. And I, I took great pride in all of that. I took it on board instantly. And and you did too. I think yes. it was kind of a prerequisite yes. to signing. You had to take all this information on board and like stick your chest out. You were playing for the Arsenal. They had a cannon on your chest. Just try to explain to people what it's like when you get it and you get it into your heart, and then you how strong that makes you feel on a Saturday when you go out. You almost feel. Did you almost feel unbeatable, Lee? Well, I'm listening to you. Well, you asking me the question, and I ask, and I listen to the question. Mm-hmm. I'm already going back <laughs> during your question, yeah. and if you could see me now, I have like goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, because the the, the 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 feeling, and you you understand that I understand it because uh, we've been in the in the situation that even like when you go, uh, you, you get out of your car and you go on a training field and you go into the uh, dressing room for example when we were training at London Coley mm. and you put your gear on and that's like you're a family of Arsenal mm. you understand big club with all the history that's already like unbelievable mm. now now we're going on the pitch to play for the the the, the people <laughs> in Arsenal in the kit from Arsenal <laughs> yeah you, you you cannot explain that feeling that is that's uh, like uh, if you if you try to explain it's like if you are rewarded for something you did very well but if you're healthy you have like a, a, a thousand wishes yeah I want yeah. this I want that when you're not healthy you just wish one thing that you are healthy yeah yeah so when you're a professor soccer player then you're a privileged person but now you're playing at the club like Arsenal as well. So I cannot explain uh, the feeling uh, what you uh, have if you put the gear on and you uh, represent uh, Arsenal. Mate, you just did. Yeah. Well exactly. done. Go on, Amy, you want to ask, you want to okay. ask a question, Amy. Okay. <laughs> Glenn, you had one of the most um, memorable or interesting debuts uh, you could imagine in the sense that the day that you were chosen to make your debut in 1995 against Nottingham Forest was the day that George Graham, who was this enormous figurehead, a hugely important and successful yeah. person in the club, that day at lunchtime he was fired suddenly. And then that night you're playing your yeah. first game. How strange, was, you know, it must have been really incredible to try and have a clear head when everybody around you is thinking, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I couldn't believe it because George uh, Graham, he really wanted me to come uh, to Arsenal to play for him. The the love and the confidence 
how he spoke to me and what he uh, expected for me, he totally believed in me. So if you add this with how I speak about Arsenal, that you are going to the club uh, like that, and then there is a manager who speaks to you and gives you a lot of confidence and, and a laugh that, and that a manager who can choose uh, everybody and he chooses you and that big club as well, now then you're going to run extra meters for the boss. Yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. And I'm a kind of player like that. I have a lot of managers in my, in my life, but uh, I had that with, uh, before I came to Arsenal, I had that with the manager uh, at Vitesse, uh, Arnhem. Uh, Lee, Lee knows how how, how I was. Uh, uh, sometimes I was a little bit crazy, but uh, the, the, everybody, uh, respect for everybody. Like soccer playing, uh, normally I was not at Arsenal, but normally, Vitesse Arnhem, sometimes I came too late. If you came too late, then you was sitting on the bench. Doesn't matter how important you was. The manager, he puts me in the um, uh, lineup. Mm. You won't do I that with the, George, the, would you? No, you understand? You, you, Lee, you understand what I'm saying now? You understand what I'm saying now? Who is Glenn Helder then? Yeah. You understand? <laughs> if they put, yeah. I know for sure that if the boss wouldn't be uh, sacked uh, when I was there, mm. I would I would uh, be the Glenn like my debut game. I would be the Glenn like uh, uh, Norwich. Uh, I, I would be the Glenn... From uh, like uh, the, the second game uh, uh, the, against uh, uh, Crystal Palace when we won, I think three zero. He would keep me straight and, and sharp, only because I had the respect then for the boss. But all I said before about Arsenal and and, and the boss, and he was sacked in the, in the day that we had played the game. So that was my first, and I, I was I was really um, uh, hurt by that. I, I kept professional, of course, because. I'm uh, an employee, if you can say that. I, I don't yes. see it as work. Yeah. I see it yeah, as making your profession from your hobby, your profession. But I'm an employee from Arsenal, so I have to play for Arsenal. So I have to do that with the best I, I, I can. I know when, when Ian Wright turned up at Arsenal and he said, he once said to me, it was much easier playing uh, a game at the weekend than it was training because when he was training he was up against you Dicko he was up against Tony Adams Steve Bold Nigel Winterburn was it the same for you Glenn when you're up against these excellent defenders and then if you beat them you've got to beat one of the best goalkeepers in the world is it easier playing in the game than it is training Lee uh, really made me better because if you if you have speed and you have some skills you have like two weapons then you can play like everywhere in the world but with me, you depend on your skills yeah. instead mm. sometimes also on your mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lee forced me. Kicked you, uh, is what you every, mean. That, 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 <laughs> it, it, it said it before. If I would be, I would be, I would be kicked out of the London Coney every time <laughs> I get the ball. Because, because in the beginning, he tried to uh, hit me sometimes. To, to let me know, listen, <laughs> everything nice and well, you can be quick, <laughs> and you get skills, but when you go past my, by me, I have to be dead. You understand, <laughs> I, I wanted you to try and go and play over on Nigel's side and leave me alone, but then when you went over there, he used to kick you as well. <laughs> Glenn, I know that you feel a bit of frustration that maybe your time at Arsenal could have been more than it was. What happened? Yes. Uh, that, that's very easy to uh, answer. That's what happened. What happened is me. Uh, mm. I, I didn't live like uh, a professional should live. Like if I say those words, I'm uh, at a big club like Arsenal, then like instantly you uh, have to have a switch in your mind that you do like everything what you can do, you have to do. And for example, it's like take your rest and take care of your body. Uh, make sure that you every game you when you go out that you are like uh, naked eh? that you have given everything I, di- I did that uh, on my way yeah. but when you are in a game you have to have the same mentality to go to your best level and if I say uh, I'm privileged to be a, a professional player then do everything for that mm. and what you don't do is like the things what get you further away from your performance at the pitch, and I did all those things. <laughs> I I, yeah. I didn't live like a pro. Like I went out, I go drinking. Uh, when uh, when I was free, I went to I went to Holland 
because uh, in, the, in the beginning I, I was alone in, uh, in, in England. Uh, for me, it was a little bit uh, changed. So uh, I, I, I was looking for uh, like excitement, what I had in uh, Vitesse uh, uh, Arnhem. But what I didn't think about when I played in Vitesse Arnhem, uh, I could rely on my skills and that was enough. But now I'm in a different country mm. and it's a, b- a bigger, bigger competition, uh, better opponents. And I still wanted the same life I had in right. Vitesse Arnhem. I played good. Uh, I was the best player of Vitesse Arnhem with players like Philip Cocu, uh, Hans Schilhaus, Roy Mackay. And that was my first year at Vitesse Arnhem. I became right away the best player. But in the same time, I went to Arnhem in the vacation when I went from Sparta to Vitesse Arnhem. I never smoked. I never drank. And I started smoking and drinking in that vacation. But before I, I smoked and before I became uh, I drink. At Sparta, I was always running. I was always first or second. Never third, fourth, fifth. I was always at the first two because I needed uh, the the condition as well. So when I went to Vitesse, and it was a bigger club and better players, and when I started drinking and smoking in the month before I went to a bigger club like Vitesse, I said to myself, okay, you're drinking, you're smoking, you're stupid. But when you are running, you're going to become first. If you're tired, you're going to lose your tongue. You're going you're gonna to get him after the training. You're going to find where you look for your tongue. But now you run like you run at Sparta when you was not smoking and not drinking. And I did that. I also did at Vitesse. I was first with running. And I was going out every week. <laughs> but I get the highest marks in the newspaper. There was always Glen Elder good. Glen Elder, only one who's played good. I, I, I played against Ars, I get a nine. I, I played against PSV, I get a nine. You know, that's almost the highest mark you can get for, for playing a game. And at the same time that I'm playing there for Vitesse, I was doing all the bad things in life mm. instead of making, making, making sure that you can keep up with those performance. But I was young, stupid, and because I was rewarded for how I played with soccer, there was no attention for how I was living next to the soccer. I just wanted to ask, you know, you say you were young, and that's right, and you were really young, but was there anybody in that yeah. time when you were at Arsenal who was giving you any advice? You know, was your agent, your family, anybody saying, look, Glenn, you just need to focus yes. on your football? Or because you were in England, away from everybody, was that a problem, really? There was no one providing that for you also glenn sorry to exactly. interrupt before you before exactly. you start talking but also there was a bit of a drinking culture at the club as well wasn't there lee don't look so shocked there was <laughs> there was a drinking culture at arsenal as well so you might not have been discouraged with your behavior no but uh it, it was like uh i didn't like alcohol but uh I, when i go out i was drinking alcohol but in my in my home there was no alcohol so the, the, there was no problem with alcohol or with going out, uh, but there was a problem with that you want to have uh, some excitement in your life, like I had with Vitesse Arnhem, well, I was still playing good. And because I was rewarded with a bad life, but still playing good, and then I went to Arsenal, then I, I, I kept on going on the same level. Yeah. You understand? Mm. Thing is, Glenn, I, when I'm now I'm listening to you talk about this sort of stuff, and I'm I'm going back to those de- those years, and everything. a lot of the lads that, that that certainly in the team or around the first team at that time were married, got kids. I'm talking about me, Tony, yes, uh, Nigel, Baldy. You know, we got married with kids, and and kind of, you know, we all we like to go out and have a night out together on a Tuesday night or whatever it was now and again. But because football, this is how it works in football, and you'll you'll know that you're all together in the dressing room during the week and you're training together, and then you might go on the odd night out. But we all go home to our families, and we kind of we're already in a routine that you go back home, you do this, you go get ready for the game, then you train next day, and then all of a sudden yes. the weekend comes round, you play the football, you go for a meal with your family, and that that's kind of like a set routine that goes through the season. But I think for you coming over to the excitement from what you left to come into Arsenal big club of course exactly. you're a young boy you're going to exactly. be I don't I don't necessarily think now looking back that we 
uh, and I'm not saying it's it's our responsibility, but me as a senior player now, no, if I was no. if I was if I was a senior no. player in a dressing room now, mm. I would make it my job to to take you to one side and put my arm around you and say, you know, have a, have a good exactly. time and look after exactly. yourself. But these are the things that I would say to you. You know, don't go out all the time. Go home a bit earlier than you did do. So I don't think we necessarily looked after you like we could have done back then. So I I, I take some of the responsibility for that. Not not. You know, no, obviously it's it's no, in, up to the individual, but I I I really appreciate that you that you say it, but it's nothing is anybody's fault but me. That let, let that make sure. I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm standing 100% behind it because I'm the same now. For example, I they hire me to talk to uh, young people. The the government hires me. The the schools hire me. So you can point a finger and say, yeah, this is the reason, or that is the reason. But when you're pointing a finger and you're looking for reasons, there are three fingers pointing at yourself. So yourself are responsible for your own actions. I was very stubborn. Lee, for example, the first time I came to uh, the club when we uh, go to uh, Hertfordshire at uh, the golf uh, club where we always go before a yeah. game. Yeah. Everybody, like, the, 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 like Tony Adams, Big captain, you know, a uh, lot of uh, trophies and uh, everything, you know. He drives uh, a Ford Fiesta. Yeah. And Glenn Helder comes in a BMW 8 Series. Yeah, I know, you we know? noticed. <laughs> <laughs> why buy a BMW 8 Series? Because you uh, can. Why? Because for, you for, can, Glenn. Yeah, because you can, but you don't have to. Yeah. You understand? Listen, if I didn't uh, of my life and then we go back in time, for me, I can say, because you can. Yeah. But if you showed afterwards that you can't, <laughs> then uh, you, you, yeah. you, you don't have the credit for yourself to do it. You understand? Yeah. So that's the way how, how I think to, uh, about myself and to myself. But as long as you play and you play a little bit well, then the rest is going to be uh, under the carpet. Glenn, did you find it especially hard when you finished, maybe, that you didn't get what you wanted out of your career? And is that something that maybe made it difficult for you when you fell in, into hard times? Yeah, of, co- of course, because how proud I was to go to play club for Arsenal is also like you reach uh, the level you are aiming for when you start playing professional soccer, like going playing for the national team and playing for a big top club in foreign uh, country. Now, Arsenal is, uh, is especially that. And when you know you have the skills and only you didn't show the skills all the time because of your own mentality, yeah, if you then look back, then, uh, and this all this only looking at the football side. I'm not even talking about the money side, you understand? But o- only the football side. Like if Mark Overmars was the best left forward in Holland, he was the best left forward, and at the most important game of the year for the Dutch team, then I play left forward and Mark Overmars is going to the right because he could play to the, at the right as well. That says everything how good you were. So it's not bragging or something, it's, it's just facts. I'm the only one from that group who didn't fulfill uh, the expectations. And the only one who is responsible for that is me. And if you ask me uh, the, like Amy, the question from uh, if you look back, yeah, of course I look. I, I'm I'm further now. I'm 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 like, uh, if my wife and my children are uh, healthy and happy, I'm like a, a billionaire. You understand? Yes. I'm a billionaire. They're healthy and they're happy. You understand? There was a reason but, why. There was a reason why you went on the left and and uh, Mark Overmars went on the right because I've seen your right foot. <laughs> it ain't the best, is it? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so you were happy until you came on the podcast, weren't you, Glenn? <laughs> Glenn, can I ask you a couple of yes. questions about your your life post football? You're an accomplished drummer. Oh, he's, like, he's the best. He's a really, really good drummer. He, Lee is. He is the, remember when we went on that trip to uh, pre-season? We were in Norway or Sweden with George or what? Wherever it was. No, yeah. it wasn't George. Yeah, really, obviously, yeah. but. Where's, where was it? Where we were in some village somewhere, and there was Sweden, a Sweden, 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 and, we, Sweden. and there was that barn after the game, and there was a band, and there was a set of drums, and you just got up there and ripped yes. it. 
Did you know he could play drums? <laughs> no, we, we started, was, we'd heard rumours he could play, and then he went to this drum kit and just went, watch this, lads, and he was on, he's like Cozy Powell. <laughs> he was off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a little bit too much credit, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was good, okay. It was good. <laughs> and, and, Glenn, apparently you've, you've tried your hand at stand-up comedy as well. Now, there's a couple of stand-up comedians sitting in this room right now, um, I've read an interview with a Dutch <laughs> newspaper that you, you went on some TV celebrity sort of show to do stand-up comedy. Yes. Uh, were you any good? <laughs> uh, do, 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 do. Oh, phone, hang up. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, for example, uh, I, I start with... Uh, uh, so I'm the microphone in my hand and I start saying to people, OK, good evening, uh, my name is uh, Glenn Helder. For the, for the people who don't know me, uh, I'm a professional, uh, ex-professional soccer player. I played uh, among the clubs uh, like uh, Vitesse Arnhem, uh, Arsenal, uh, the Dutch uh, Netherlands team, and also Holland Casino. <laughs> uh, Holland Casino. Uh, but uh, the last uh, club, Holland Casino, didn't go so well. Right. So we, uh, I was relegated. I was relegated for Holland Casino. And now I played for. Uh, now I play for the. Uh, yeah, I cannot say it in uh, in Dutch in in uh, in uh, English, but you have a word. But I I do, I do some stand-up comedian because people ask me, Glenn, if you could go back in time, what would you do different in your life? Then I say I will put everything on black instead of red. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. I think that's a perfect yeah, place. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh, this afternoon. Thanks very much for joining Handbrake Off. No problem. I just want to say, and I want to say, uh, now Lee knows me, of course, but I want to say to the Arsenal uh, supporters, if I could go back in time, they would see the Glenn, uh, how I could play. They would see the Glenn like Lee Dixon uh, knows and saw most of the time on the training. But uh, I was young. I looked for some excitement. I didn't live like a pro. If I did live like a pro, I would uh, do these things like instantly and get everything out of my system uh, to play like I could play. And uh, lucky for me that George Graham, like Lee says, if he would be there, I wouldn't dare thinking about not living like a pro. You understand? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, I want to say to the Arsenal supporters, yeah, that I love them as well. Glenn, I loved having you in my life then, and, and now you're back in my life now, so come and give me a drumming lesson. Uh, me, we, we, I will do for sure. When I come to England, I will sure that I come. Give me a call, for sure, yeah? For sure. With I love. love you, mate. Love you. Yeah, for sure. With love. I love you, back, man. That was uh, the brilliant Glenn Helder, percussionist extraordinaire, stand-up comedian we don't know, well, really. No. Maybe it doesn't quite translate. He kind of had a joke, but forgot the ending. And he <laughs> did, so I think, he, yeah, I think he was a better footballer than he was a comedian. Possibly. Context... What, a, what a lovely interview, though. I, I, right. It was so nice to speak to him again. Sad, though, don't you think? I mean, it, you can yeah. hear the regret yeah. in how it just didn't work out for him in his career. I mean, I think the, the, the point that he made, it he was lonely. He was alone. Basically, and he was lonely. I think now when when foreign players come to British clubs, they're so much better looked after, not just by... Because you were saying you felt a, a certain responsibility, but not completely. But now people look after them, buy their houses for them, just make sure they're settled in. Yeah, but not only that, just the sheer numbers of foreign players. And back then when Glenn came, there were very few. Yeah. You know, it was really at the beginning of the time. And yeah. I think that's significant that, you know, and virtually any foreign player who came certainly came from a country where they were supposed to be adapting quite quickly with language skills. So it was loads of Scandinavians and Dutch. It was, yeah. the, was the first influx. And you didn't find many. I mean, obviously now virtually every country you can think of is represented. And there is, as you mentioned, this kind of whole network Support. to try and help people settle in. But I think you just came and you were on your own. And yeah. if you can imagine being, a, you know, in your early 20s and everything's been easy for you so far in your career and kind of just, just come naturally, mm. suddenly you are on a totally different different existence. But what I thought, what I thought came out of that, and, and let's hope he he, um, he carries on doing what he's doing with the, with the government, like he said, because not everybody can go into a first team and become a hit and be successful. Otherwise, you know, the team would be full and no one would get in the team. Yeah. He, so there's got to be 
along the way, there's going to be people who fall by the wayside. And Glenn was one of those, and he, we can hear the regret in his voice. But the great thing about it is that he's got all those experiences, memories, like I've got positive ones and negative ones as well. But my positive ones, are, he looks at that and goes, if I could have done this, I could have been like Lee or whatever. But he's now got the opportunity to pass those experiences yeah. on to kids, young kids at school, because even more so now, the amount of kids who are coming through the system and discarded into the gutter you're not good enough you're not good enough you know in any country so if he's working in holland doing some stuff with kids who who are gonna be rejected because the chances are if you're going into professional sport sooner or later you are going to be rejected and the very few one percent if that are going to make it to to the top so people like glenn who's got that experience they're invaluable to the youth growing up now great to hear as well what a massive impression arsenal made on him given that he was there quite a short time i think he was loaned out around when arsene wenger was appointed he went to portugal picked up a serious injury out there that kind of spelled the end of his the beginning of the end of his career when he came back mark overmars that's in the team (sighs) yeah good and my god how are you going to get past him Although somebody told me he was right-footed, Mark Overmars. I think yeah, he, he was, was yeah. right He was right-footed. <sighs> a little bit like me, you couldn't tell which was his good foot <laughs> and his bad foot. They were both equally as bad. They were. <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Um, now, James, you've yeah. written a piece this week mm. uh, about, uh, about a player who's been playing out on the wing. Um, in uh, in well, I was saying Glenn Helder's position, uh, but uh, maybe against what he'd like to do, which yeah. is uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, and you sort of did a piece where you watched him this week playing against. <laughs> did you just watch him? Was it player cam? On yeah, it was basically player cam. I just sort of kept my eye on him for the whole game, and it's fascinating because you know he's one of the best penalty box strikers in the world, really. I mean, yes. his movement is just sensational. But you're watching it as a fan and you, you can't help but notice he's spending a lot of time in the sort of left-back zone. You know, Saka's pushing on, he covers back a lot of the time. And his attitude about it is phenomenal. It just does the job. And it, it, there's kind of a duality to it because on the one hand, you look at him in these areas and like, that's not where you want him to be. But then when we do get into the final third, sometimes I think being that second runner or coming from a diagonal position enables him to get chances he might not otherwise get or space he might not otherwise find. I mean, I wondered, Lee, as a right-back, having someone like that who would be playing on the left-hand side who's always going to look to go across you, go mm-hmm. diagonally into the centre, is that a bit of a nightmare to defend against? Well, it would. yeah, it can be. The, the thing is, with the way we played, we always played showing inside anyway, so right. it, that would be a natural thing for me to force him to go where he wanted to go. I know it sounds counterintuitive, yeah. but the way that we play to funnel inside to our centre-backs and our strong midfield players, well, I would always get him out, outside me and show him inside, but that's not the way they play at the moment. So the fullbacks have problems with him and he does. He will sit off and make that late run, as you said. If you tossed a coin and said, where do you want to play? You know, you can play anywhere or what. He would pick down the middle all day Center long. Forward, you know, it's sure, not, yeah. it's, that's not even in the discussion. And what, if he says something publicly, oh yeah, I don't mind, he's, he's, telling, <laughs> he's telling a lie yeah. because he's a centre forward. He wants to be in where the sharp end is. He wants to stand in front of the goals, basically, because that's where you're likely to get most of them. Thierry was a little bit more of a, of a kind of wanderer. He used to wander out to that left-hand side. You know, that was his natural way of playing. But I think, you know, um, Aubameyang is definitely a penalty box player. But, you know, he, as you said, his attitude has been fantastic and he will do that running for you. There, there are moments where he does go running back and then you go, oh, well done. Then you can just see him, his shoulders drop and go, oh, God. Yeah, you're absolutely How many of them have I got to do? Yeah. You're absolutely so. right. And he, he's brilliant at repeat sprints. But I think the thing is, it's sort of too simplistic to say it's left wing or centre forward because in the second half he was ostensibly still on the left but he played within the width of the penalty box mm. I think Arteta moved him to get him close to Nketiah that's where he's got to be because he's so dangerous in those I days. mean we've just been speaking to Glenn Helder and you know a product of the IX Academy and total football yeah. I mean football is positions are not as fixed as they were when you were playing Lee they're just not. No, it's not. The game is the game's shifted around and, and we can sit and talk about formations and all of that finding space and all this lot. And I and I find it fascinating to a point and then I'm like, put the ball in that end, in that goal and keep it out of that end. So <laughs> you can fancy it all up in the middle as much as you want. The vogue at the moment is to talk about formations and, and it's great. And I'm obviously I work in that industry so I'm talking about it but ultimately it doesn't mean as much to me as it might maybe to others and fan which is fine it's just that I, I'm, I'm like a little bit more pragmatic it's like where you're playing you know and it's this holding midfield player 
a box-to-box midfield player, an eight, a six. When people start talking about numbers to me, I'm like, don't <laughs> seriously, don't bother talking about. Oh, he plays an eight, does he? Oh, look at him now; he's in an eleven. Well, how did that happen? So it's like you can yeah. you can put yeah. players into boxes wow. where it's a moving game. And at any one time, if I stopped the tape and went, "Who's playing where now?" You'd be like, "I've no clue," because that's <laughs> it's a fluid game, and it doesn't always. You've got little areas you stick to ish. But plus, it should be fluid. Plus, we've got number 55 <laughs> at the moment, so it's a slightly different thing. Um, I mean, the thing you said there, keep it out of that end, put it in the other end, that sounds like a very sort of George Graham thing to say. And I know, Amy, you, you've you written a piece. What a great nice link, Stoney. What a great <laughs> link you did there. That's beautiful. You should do this if as you, a job. You're really if, good at it. If you didn't you? mention it, nobody would notice. They just go, <laughs> it really flows, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now you've brought it up, it's a clunk. <laughs> anyway, the point is, um, you have written a piece, or you're in the process of writing a piece about George Graham because it is 26 years, 25, 25. years, the, the uh, silver jubilee, oh. of, <laughs> if you like, of Bungate, as I think you called it, Lee. Um, yeah, and this is about his legacy or about that moment? Well, it's more about that moment, really. I mean, it was a seismic moment for him, for the club, uh, to an extent for football. And I still find myself looking back thinking, how is it possible that he was the only one mm. who ever got, got caught? <laughs> well, that's uh, a yeah. point. Uh, Not sure it is it, no, that is the point. It, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, it really staggers me. I mean, I guess anybody who was an Arsenal fan at, around that time will have their own memories of what they thought um and how they rea- reacted that day, but it was the most extraordinary set of circumstances in that this investigation into, um, just a bit of background if you don't know about it, something had come out in Scandinavia from an interview from the club where Arsenal had bought Pal Lederson, uh IK Start, a smallish club in Norway, of irregularities where the sums didn't quite make sense with how much money had gone out for the transfer and how much had come in. Didn't quite. It didn't quite add up. And uh, George Graham and Runa Hauger, the Norwegian agent, had been under investigation for two months. So life was going on, you know, games were going on um, and so on. And you wondered whether it would just sort of run its course, I think. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I think Arsenal got a bit of advance warning that the Premier League uh, FA inquiry had reached its conclusion and it wasn't going to look good. And maybe there was a sense of having to do something so that the club didn't get implicated as well. So all of a sudden, on the day of a match against Nottingham Forest in the evening, Glenn Helder's debut, George was called in up the marble halls, up to the oak panelled offices and in a probably very excruciating couple of minutes because... They were all very friendly back then, the board and George. Would that have been the chairman who did that? It was It was, It was. was what George in his book later referred to as three wise men, which was uh, Peter Hillwood, the chairman, Ken Fryer and David Dean. Yeah. And he was handed a piece of paper, which basically was uh, formalities of the termination of his contract. But again, you're going back 25 years and it, it seems mad to imagine in the modern world that we live in. But, you know, how did you find out? There's no Twitter, there's no... It, it was kind of not, not quite smoke signals, but, you know, you had to be told uh, yeah. or you had to listen to a news bulletin or something. So news travelled in a different way then. And I vividly remember getting the news. I was a, in my first year as a football journalist at the time uh, on a magazine and uh, I think I was so visibly upset that my boss actually called me over and went, Amy, go home. <laughs> um <laughs> Which I did, and then went straight to Highbury like lots of other people. There was just lots of people milling around. Nobody knew what to do because George was so massive at the club that him being gone, it was almost unthinkable. And you just, I do remember thinking, well, it's never going to be the same ever again, you know, melodramatically. Mm. But it was not dissimilar to all of a sudden, not, not quite the same, but Jurgen Klopp or whatever. Suddenly there's a big brouhaha and he's gone. But it was someone who had such a hold over their club and who had been very successful. So it was very weird. I think Lee will probably have his own memories. Oh, yeah, we talked about it, didn't we? I'm trying to rack my brains, remember where I was and all this lot. And we got a phone call saying, when you come into the ground, the, you know, the manager's been sacked, he's not going to be there. And we're like, you can't do that, we've got a game. That was what I thought. That's my first. You can't do that. We've got a game. Yeah. It's like who's going to do? Because it was he was that he was that figurehead. Who's going to be standing there with his little envelope at half time, giving everyone a telling off? Well, he's not going to be there. So it was kind of like weird. And then what was the score of that game? One nil. We won. 
another recent signing. Was that was that done to a certain extent yeah, for George? Just for George, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had about three open goals and we kept <laughs> kicking oh, no. him past the goal. No, <laughs> just finish one nil. <laughs> one nil would do. Do you think it would have been opposite if they'd have handed him the letter in a brown envelope? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, sorry, is know, that inappropriate? Is that I thought that's what I'm everything, for. But I, I feel quite strongly about this because I love George and we all I, I think George. it's you know it's a, it's strange in a way that that I don't think his legacy is particularly you know tainted by that it was an episode it's an interesting thing to look back on because it was a huge thing that happened of its time yeah. but you know when I think, I think of George in general I think of Anfield yeah, 89, 89 I think of yeah. I think, I think of Dave Rowcastle 87 yep. I think of yeah. Palmer at 94, 94. and Absolutely. even the 1971 double and the clips that I've seen of him when he was a, you know obviously a wonderful player as well so that's the George that I think well, when of. I see when I see him now and I see him not regular but the odd month here and there we bump into each other somewhere golfing no, he doesn't. He doesn't play an awful lot at the moment. But um, anyway, when I do bump into him, I don't see any. I don't see. I don't see the bung thing. I don't see him being Tottenham manager. I, those images don't flash no. in front. I just see. I, he's just such a lovable bloke. I just. Yeah. I, I think because he got me at a, an early age in that sort of father figure. He's my first real. He was my first real sort of sergeant major type boss who kind of went you know really looked down at me and goes I'm going to teach you this and this is how you're going to behave and and I kind of write right right you know so everything he said I kind of took, it was just gospel to me do you think Glenn's career would have gone better he does George? he's yeah, absolutely he does. adamant yeah, about absolutely. it there's no doubt about that respect that he had in a, in a dressing room that that when he walked in people like me etc but also the kind of maybe on the edge of wayward ones, which Glenn will admit he was, yeah. would be because he used to, he used to come into training, Glenn, and he used to go, right, yeah, we're training, and we, you know, and he goes, oh, I'm going out this afternoon, and we're we're all kind of going, well, where are you going, and, and the sort of, the, oh, I'm going here, I'm doing this, and a young free and single, and all this lot, and the married lads would be looking at him, going, God, you're lucky, so and so, where yeah. you're going <laughs> off doing what you want to do, and and we're going back home, and we we got that. And he got the opposite side of that. And I think that's where I flipped into that's that father figure mode, saying that maybe a few of us should have just given him a little arm round there. Go home. Yeah, go home. Yeah, yeah, just go home earlier than you would have done, that type of thing. But mm. um, Let's have a song before we, I'm not uh, before we leave. I didn't say I had to sing coming in here. <laughs> Four-part harmonies <laughs> we're doing now. Yeah. Unless we can find some clips of Glenn actually playing, which would be pretty cool. Suggest Cozy Powell dance with the devil. Absolutely, I was As... gonna, I was gonna pick a Cozy Powell number, and that's exactly the one. That's I was the one. Pick. That's that the is one. the one. That we... is a great suggestion. very much guys uh, thanks to Glenn Helder for joining us thanks to Charlie our producer for looking after us Lee thank you for coming in yeah it's great and uh, very excited to see the shoes that you've bought <laughs> as well and uh, thanks to James yes. and Amy as well uh, thank you for listening this is Ian Stone this has been the Handbrake Off podcast for The Athletic for ad free podcasts make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app you can get a 40% discount now by using the code ArsenalPod Thank you.